Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. Aston Villa are just fresh off hammering another playoff contender, three goals to nil. Villa beat Middlesbrough yesterday, yesterday afternoon, hammered them. Albert Adoma grabs a goal, John McGinn grabs a goal, and Amor Al Ghazi grabs that special goal. I'm James Rushton, and today I'm joined by Cole Petham to go through that game. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well. Yourself? All good. Uh, even better after catching, you know, another Villa victory. I mean, the weather was terrible, though. I was out doing a bit of fan cams help with the Villa view, and we were walking back absolutely drenched. And I was, I was in such a bad mood. And then you just remember, Villa have won. They're in playoff contention now, and this is a, it's a whole new conversation that we can have about Villa, you know, competing for this playoff place. But I'm, I'm generally really happy with how we've performed over the f- past few weeks. And it's no secret that Jack Grealish coming back has obviously helped us all. But I'm, I mean, you're a new face around here you got a bit of a different accent it's usually me and Danny kind of speaking in our our dull dour English tone so I wanted to you know introduce yourself and how did you get into following Aston Villa Cole? Well it started many many years ago it feels like now Um, if I'm going to compare myself to a lot of Villa fans for whatever age they are um, I started following in the Ashley Young Milner uh, Downing days um and just kind of been hooked ever since uh if anything i've probably started following them when everything went bad so maybe i'm the jinx maybe i'm not but um yeah that's how it started um i started a youtube channel called talk aston villa in 2013 i believe in my little school dorm room carried it on through my university days and uh now i'm just sitting on twitter commenting on stuff and uh yeah just interacting with other fans Still enjoying following Villa. I, I guess this might be the best period for you of following Aston Villa because, you know, I think I know a lot of people who started following Villa. Um, I think Phil, uh, Robert, Alex, Jack, all the people I know who follow Villa from overseas kind of followed at a really bad time. Oh, exactly. Like Christian Benteke was like a revelation at one point and then it just went from bad to worse, really. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty tough. But um. Villa, they're terroring these playoff teams. You know, we've just spoke about Middlesbrough. We introduced a podcast with Middlesbrough. But look, Derby, Nottingham Forest, Birmingham. You've battered these teams. We've battered these teams. You've took them apart. And the latest is Middlesbrough will go on to that, actually, because it's a, you know, of course, we're here to talk about that game. We're here to wrap up that game. But you actually nervous at all heading into this? What did you think? What 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 were we going to do to Villa at Villa Park? Were they going to sit back, sit deep? And, you know, they might have, you know, threw away our momentum. What were you thinking going into this? Well, it's always, it's a Tony Pulis side. So whether it's Stoke, West Brom, or now Middlesbrough, what do you really expect besides ultra defensive maneuvers, tactics? You know, it's going to be long balls forward, lots of corners, uh, lots of fouls, a physical game. So that that's expected. And I, I don't know. I mean, going into the playoffs last year facing them, I was a lot more nervous Obviously, you can get a little cocky after three wins on the bounce, but uh, no, I actually thought we were going to come away 2-1 winner, so 3-0 is even better. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the result, and um, I mean, the scoreline is just completely brilliant. I think we it maybe favours Borough a little bit, because I think we were completely on top, and the, the way we played football, it didn't ever, it looked too easy for us, and it looked like Borough were really struggling, I think, and we'll go on to obviously our goals, there are three of them, but Borough... What chance did they have? I think George Friend had a shot and expected goals models kind of have looked on that quite favourably and give him 0.4 of a chance when I'm looking at that and he, he's got yeah, a great position. Well, he's hit the ball at like a mile an hour, a kilometre <laughs> an hour if that. 
and they've kind of you know looked favourably on that shot. And I think Villa were all over him. Borough never created, and Stuart Downing, of course, who we just mentioned, he was whipping in great crosses. But Tyrone Mings was all, there all day to deal with them. And I think I'll actually we'll speak about Tyrone Mings because. He didn't look that fantastic of a signing. He's just another, you know, bit part Premier League player we brought in on loan. But he's completely changed our defence, right? Oh, exactly. And it's it's funny how things have happened within the last six weeks. Because if you would have told me six weeks ago that this is going to happen, Mings is going to be playing like this, uh, even Glenn Whelan's playing like this, it's a complete turnaround that maybe it's Jack Grealish and maybe I'm getting a little off topic, but it's something Jack Grealish almost like just started from coming back and yeah, fantastic signing. I would love to see him sign next year being Mings, but uh, I think that'll all depend on if we're in the Premier League or not. Yeah. I mean, Bournemouth could feel the back three of uh, Nathan Ake and Chris Meatham and now Tyrone Mings if they wanted, but I think he's filler are really doing him a favor and he's with his price tag. But, you know, the stuff he says on social media and the pride he shows for this club, it almost makes you, you want to believe that Villa have a chance of signing him. But um, Borough, nil, Villa free. The first goal comes quite, I don't know, it was fairly late into the second half but I, what, from what I felt. I mean, it's probably quite early. I haven't even looked at the time. Of, <laughs> it was 28 you know, minutes. 28, was it? Yeah. Or 20? Yeah, 28. So it's come... I, you know, I was looking there for Asian, it felt agonizing because we was, you know, the guy behind me says, we're playing like Arsenal, we're passing around. And I was like, that, that, that's the dream though, guys, come on. Um, but I think it was Amor Al-Ghazi who gets on the end of a fantastic ball from John McGinn. And again, I keep saying this, we'll come on to him later because he deserves a whole segment on his own. But mm-hmm. Amor Al-Ghazi gets a goal and that's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Oh, exactly. And just to applaud uh, McGinn, what a ball, just... The vision yes. to even find that, it was directly across the pitch. Perfect through ball. Just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just vision we've been wanting for the last, I don't know, five plus years. Finally have our man there. And Al Ghazi made absolutely no mistake there, putting into the right-hand part of the net, if I was right on that. Um, yeah, great goal, great way to start. And personally, watching that myself, I think, the sky's the limit here. We can absolutely batter them. Yeah, I think I thought we'd, you know, maybe if we had had Connor Hurrahan on instead of Whelan, we'd have been a lot more aggressive because I think he would have played higher up the pitch. But man, Glenn Whelan himself was dominant. I don't think he put a foot wrong. He did all that kind of quote-unquote dirty work really well, um, really put his head into dangerous places. And his first touch passion was amazing. And Glenn Whelan is someone who's come on a long way, you know, like almost like our guys this season. Glenn Whelan is just, running the show right yeah and i do apologize to people listening to this there's a dog in the background (laughs) he is super needy so he has to literally be beside me if you do hear a bark i do apologize but yeah i don't i can't say enough about glenn whelan because two months ago people were thinking get rid of him i don't want to see him ever again and he's kind of the silent hero now if you think about it grealish is getting all the plaudits but he's the engine right there and i can understand why um, Smith played him because it's going to be a physical game. We probably need someone with a bit more weight, a bit more physicality in the middle. And he certainly brought that. And you know what? If this is his last season with us, well done. He's served his purpose. Yeah, I, th- I think he has, again, come a long way. And the, the stick he was getting last season was quite out of order. And some this season, I think his wife mentioned on Twitter that it's quite upsetting sometimes, you know, sit in the nice seats and 
be surrounded by people who might not be diehard Villa fans, but they're people who are showing up and criticizing him, which is a, a bit of a shame. But I do have a question to ask, Cole. Is your dog, does it? Does uh, he or she have a, a name inspired by Aston Villa at all? No, so it's actually not my dog. It's my roommate's dog, but his name's Guinness. So um, it's St. Paddy's Day. So I guess the, the <laughs> Irish contingency came out. Um, yeah, he's just a little pug shih tzu. So yeah, I do apologize for viewers that don't want to hear barking on a podcast but he is the neediest little thing ever and if i leave him outside the door you're going to hear that some clattering more than anything so i think you should have lied there and said his name was glenn i think i was on you i was setting you up for that opportunity <laughs> imagine naming your dog glenn <laughs> that's a fantastic my dog's name's eddie um and it's a it's a female dog oh. so you know we dropped the ball there <laughs> but it's saint paddy's on a glenn wheeling gets a big tribute because you know, he looked world-class in stage yesterday. And I, I'm not embarrassed to say that. He looked fantastic. And, the, you know, the range of technique and the, his passing display was uh, really good to see. Avila Bakken, you know, what was better to see was, I don't know if you heard it on your stream, because, uh, you know, sometimes they dampen the crowd sound, but the whole stadium was singing, you know, Whelan, his last name. It yeah, was, I didn't even fantastic. hear that. No. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really, really loud. It's a shame because um, I think everyone needs to know Glenn Whelan, a fantastic player. He's out of contract as well at the end of the season, which is a shame. I know we're moving away from Son and his old players, but he's uh, it's encouraging to see, I guess, that it's a player who's probably leaving and he's he's playing out of his skin for Villa. You know what? It's probably one of the things I can give Steve Bruce credit for. That's one of the things he actually did right. And uh, if you think about it, probably over the last five to seven years, when's the last time we had someone in the middle that was super physical that can just take the ball away with ease and you know what you're not gonna sit there and just watch him but he does the things the small things right he's just goes about his job quietly and it's all you can ask yeah I think we've wasted players in this position because we've kind of had these talents who play a similar kind of role and we've obviously do different some kind of different things but these defensive midfielders you know Alamade um Idrissa Ghana, you know, the world-class Idrissa Ghana oh. now. Um, Carlos Sanchez, even you have these players who we seem to waste. Um, I mean, Carlos Sanchez hasn't had the best time since leaving Villa. I mean, but he came in with a, a lot of praise. But Ghana has went on to amazing things and we have wasted these signings. Almost uh, went to PSG. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was, you know, I was hoping for a big sell-on clause there. But I, from what I know, I'm, there might not even be one. So uh, a real shame there. But these these players, you know, even Karim Alamadi, um He's doing pretty pretty well. I've heard good things about him. And uh, we've wasted these kind of midfield players. Even Ashley Westwood, um, he's went on to Burnley. And we seem to have brought in Tom Carroll, who's a very similar player. So we, we have wasted and, and had a lot of turnaround. So it's good to see Glenn Whelan stick around and actually build on a poor... A, last season was poor and he's built on it. And maybe credit to Steve Bruce for actually bringing these players in because some of them aren't that great. But some of them have really done special, special things for us when you didn't think it was able, when it was even possible. Oh, exactly. And people are probably going to click off now because we're giving Steve Bruce, uh, Steve Bruce <laughs> credit now. But uh, you know what? If, if I talk about that for two seconds, Steve Bruce, we have to give him some credit. He almost got us up. Now, if we went up, would we have went back down? Probably. But you know what? Credit's due where it is. And we're under someone who absolutely loves the club now and onwards and upwards. Yeah, maybe we'd have only been in this position, you know, thanks to Steve Bruce's work. It's all it all kind of strangely works out like that exactly football fans are really passionate and they're going to stick to their opinions and you know I don't think Steve Bruce was the best manager and like he certainly did waste a lot of money there's a lot of players 
that we can't really use right now. Um, players that he's he's bought and players that he's kind of he isolated. But I mean, credit where it's due. We we almost went up, and uh, no, I guess at the end, thank God we did move on. But I mean, you can't hate the guy, right? Oh, exactly. And it's like I, I kind of think about it now. Like, where would we be if we actually got promoted last year? Where would we be? Where Fulhamire would we be? just right above the relegation zone would we somehow be mid-table and knowing even Steve Bruce's track record in the Premier League we'd be fighting relegation no matter what with him so I always thought him going into the club would have been something that's temporary and isn't going to solve the long-term vision so if Dean Smith is the long-term vision then go ahead and prove that because it's about time we have someone in there that A is attack-minded and B can actually pull that off there's a big difference between actually wanting to do it and pulling it off. And finally we have someone that actually looks like they can. Like, I think there was a, a quote from yesterday after the win saying, my only gripe is that we didn't score more because we were really, really good today. And I can't remember the last time we actually had a Villa manager in attacking sense say that. So it's an interesting conversation to actually bring back to Middlesbrough because I think Villa last season, they got by purely down to the hard work of their players. Yesterday, we saw a Villa team strolling around the park, playing like it, like for fun. Is that more so because the tactical style has completely bossed the game? Or is it just because Villa's players are that good? Because I'm leaning towards the fact that Villa's tactical style just meant that they had to work so much. So they didn't even have to work that hard to get the result because every, it was a perfect plan. The players were in the key positions at all times and everyone wanted to you know, rampantly attack Middlesbrough's goal. And that was, we wasn't seeing that last season. We had to rely on individual brilliance, I thought, quite a lot. Snodgrass especially had to carry the team at points. And Grealish, when he came back from his injury, and even Keenan Davis in the first part of the season, had to hustle and you know, put the team on his back. So it's, it's interesting to see that Villa have to work a lot. You know, they don't even have to work at all for their goals anymore, it seems like. Oh, exactly. And I think it's a bit of both in terms of what that is since uh, uh, Dean Smith has really come in because, yeah, we do have some highly skilled players, but just the unity, the tactics, everything, the place just seems lifted. And I can't remember, even last year, Like I don't think it was this positive even last year especially where we were yeah. last year. And like, obviously if you're going to go through each position, um, Johnston temporary signing, obviously perfect for that. That's a goalkeeper, whatever defense. It was really John Terry was the be all and end all in some sense. Um, I thought Chester was the main man there, but anyways. Um, but yeah, if you go through every position, we just had someone essentially we had to rely on to sneak a, like a one nil and, being promoted last year, honestly, I think would have just put us right back down next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Villa may have, you may make the case that, you know, there's room for a, a Burnley or a Cardiff type of club that can kind of punch above their weight. And I mean, you know, the, the style of footballs that are played, the style of football, sorry, that's played in the Premier League, it's all, you know, so most of it is easy on the eye. So to be rudimentary, like maybe Cardiff or Burnley, is almost innovation in that sense. And maybe, you know, with some weirder sense, sense. Steve Bruce would become an innovator just by doing the different things away from what the Fulham sides are doing, what Wolves are doing. And there can be success found in those ways temporarily, of course. And maybe we wouldn't have struggled like Fulham, but the Premier League isn't the promised land. I guess it, most people hope it is when they go up. Oh, exactly. And look at Norwich this year. I mean, they've been building something that's honestly remarkable now. Full plaudits to them. 
Um, and I think they've built something not in the same sense of Wolves, but something that can be sustainable in the top flight for probably three to five years. And although if we do go up this year, we're probably not as definitely not as stable as Norwich probably next year or how their foundation is right now. But um, yeah, I think if we do somehow go up, I think we're going to stay up just based on what we have. Grealish will most likely stay unless someone offers probably 40 million. But even if we go up, I can't see him leaving. Um, Maybe Abraham stays. I just think we have even people there temporarily on loan compared to last year that can see themselves staying longer term. Whereas Mm. last year, look at John Terry. He wasn't going to stay long. You knew that. Um, Snodgrass was yes and no. The list kind of goes on and on there. I just think even though we're on a run similar to Fulham like last year and then the season making that push. I think we just have a better team and the stability of the club compared to the start of the season is so much better. Let's go back to Middlesbrough then, because um, we've just discussed, <laughs> the, no, no, we've had an excellent conversation, um, but I really want to speak about someone and that's Amor Al-Ghazi. We've discussed his goal. There is questions about him and his style of play and his confidence um, when it comes to Aston Villa. There is an option to sign him. If you are Suso, Villa's director of football, are you pulling that trigger, Cole? How much is the... Do you know the fee by any chance? Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of gossip on Twitter about it being five or so million. If it, if it's that, are you paying it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you get promoted to the Premier League, you're paying that because that's chump change. That's literally probably your cheapest signing unless it's a free somehow, um, which you don't get many good ones of those going up. If we're staying down, that might be debatable. Um, but I just think he brings... I kind of almost compare him to Triore of a few years ago in the sense that they're both great going forward, obviously not so much back. But now that I say that, I'm pretty sure El Ghazi made a great defensive effort yesterday. I can't clear it. I wasn't off the line, obviously, or anything like that. But I did see a few times where he was able actually to get back. And it's just something that he doesn't look like he puts in a lot of effort, almost like Ozil, but he's there and he makes an impact. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think he's up and down, but he's still a young player. And I think he's had a, a rocky few seasons after he had the dream role at Ajax. And he, you know, he went on to Lille. And you think, this is it now. Europa League football, Champions League football on the cards. This is a platform. And sometimes players find it really hard to adjust with the expectations. And I think there may have been too much on Al Ghazi. He really hyped footballer, you know, football manager legend a few a few seasons back. And now he's, he's, now he's at Villa Park. It's a, another massive platform for him. And he does seem to be up and down. He can do that excellent individual stuff but then equally he can fall and stumble over the ball when he's trying to do too much and there's a lot of pressure on him I think Dean Smith actually is helping to take a lot of that off him I think he's looking better and better each game but I'm, I'm still uncertain whether Villa will actually pull the trigger because it's you know Dean Smith when he came in said hang on I don't really know much about Amwar he's never been on, on my radar so whether he's got someone better in mind or you know his own man that he wants to bring in or he wants to action that option. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But I think, you know, that role is Amwas to keep if he wants to carry on performing. Because he's getting better. As I said, he's getting better and better every game. And I think he's becoming a fairly key part of this Villa, te- Villa team at the moment, which was, you know, a few weeks ago, a one-man team. But he looks so much more than that right now. Oh, exactly. And... Again, it's just something that I think we've been missing. Obviously, we had the the Balassi loan earlier. That didn't work out. And of course, El Ghazi isn't Dean Smith's man in the sense that he didn't bring him in. But he just offers something 
I don't think we've truly had that's not an older winger that we're bringing in on loan um, or a complete unknown. Like he was always known for being an attack-minded player, well-rounded. And I don't think bringing him in this year at all was much of a flyer. I think bringing Triari in a few years ago was way more of a risk and probably half the wingers we brought in over the last 10 years have been way more riskier than even for 5 million what he could be worth. Villa's second goal, mate, it came from a man who's been doing a lot this season. It came just before the stroke of halftime. It's John McGinn. John McGinn doing everything he can to grab a game by the scruff of the next. And midweek, he scores two goals to, to win the match for Villa, essentially. This week, he steps up a level, scores a single goal, but his, perform- his general performance was incredible. Again, we'll go on to that, I think, at the end of the podcast, at the end of summing up this match, at least. But his second goal is just peak John McGinn because... You see the ball kind of go around the left-hand side of the pitch a lot. And at the bottom of, your stri- <laughs> bottom of the screen, you see John Storm John kind of steaming ahead, one-track mind. He knows where he's going. He picks up the loose ball, drives it into the box and slams it home for Villa's second goal of the match. He's uh, his third goal in the space of a week and his third excellent performance in the space of a single week. John McGinn has been really special since he's come back from uh, su- suspension. Uh, would you agree? Oh, 100%. Super John McGinn all the way. He's probably been... Our best midfield signing, if you want to compare him to Adrissa Gay, maybe. Maybe even better, in my opinion, because he's younger and has that uh, a ceiling that we don't know where it's going to go yet. But no, a great effort all in all, just driving forward. And honestly, this might be arrogant to say, but on our day, I think we have the best midfield in the whole league. I don't think that's arrogant at all. It's just... I really do agree with like, that. Like, <laughs> Realish, McGinn, it just... Those two alone, just those players driving forward, if I don't know how many games this season it's happened, but if you watch extended highlight clips or even the game itself there or on TV, just they're driving forward in so much space because defenders don't want to go near them because they know they're not going to take them away on the first effort. And it's just something that's honestly led to us not solely relying on Tammy Abraham within the last probably three games. We're scoring by committee, and it's awesome to see. McGinn has, what, three goals in just over a week maybe? And you know what? I can see him bagging probably at least another three or four, the way he's going, at least. What do you think McGinn's best attribute is? Um, I mean, what stands out for me is work rate, but I think there's a lot of technique there. Oh, exactly. I'd say his work rate... Honestly, his passing has been unbelievable lately. Just the vision he has. Um, it's so great to see a player with that vision because when we signed him, I thought, okay, he's probably going to be more of a utility man, more of an engine um, on the defensive side. But he just has so much to his game that he's evolved over less than a season. And the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, I really do hope so. I think, um, you know, if you're looking in purely economic terms this is a player that Villa are going to make a huge amount of profit on there is no way that they don't because you sign him for two and a half million if that and if you say the sky's the limit for him his performance is certainly um certainly you know back that up that's a lot of money for Villa to to make I mean you look at Jack Grealish another an academy player who you signed for you know nothing for it goes for 40 million and John McGinn goes in that 25 million region you've made bank off these off these low money signings and that is that's an achievement in itself and I think that you know every club is a selling club as disappointing as that that sounds and that especially applies to Aston Villa so I know we don't want to think about it but when John McGinn does leave the club and I hope he doesn't have to he's going to go for money 
you know, that is going to, the profit margins on that deal are going to be oh, insane. exactly. And you know what? He's probably been our best signing in the championship era by far, by far. Absolutely. I can't, you know, again, I find myself agreeing with you far too much this time. So we're going to have to find something to disagree about, mate. Um, but John McGinn runs a show. Um, he's all over the place. His heat map everywhere in that game. Defensive um, work, you know, work up front. Winning fouls like we haven't seen. Um, Jack Grealish is usually our main foul winner, as everyone knows. But John McGinn isn't afraid to get chopped down and get right into the thick of things and press from the front. So really good stuff to see. John McGinn becoming a star this season um, in a team full of them. Villa's third goal, mate, um, it, it come, actually comes quite late on and it's after Tammy Abraham has been subbed off. I want to speak to you about Tammy Abraham after we discuss the goal, but it comes to Albert Adoma who pounces on a chance um, made completely by Keenan Davis. He comes on for El Ghazi. So Keenan Davis cuts in, um, has a kind of weak shot that challenges the keeper. He spills into the path of Adoma who grabs his second goal, his only second goal of the season. I mean, it's good and bad to see because last season he was such a ray of sunshine. Really did make us happy as Villa fans. In quite, you know, it wasn't a bad season, but I think it was quite dire at times, a bit dull. I think there was a lot of negativity at the end, um, especially in the summer. But Albert Adoma was a highlight last season, and uh, it's been a real tough season for him. Oh, exactly. Right? And what he's getting? How old is he now? Thirty, thirty-one, roughly. Yeah, he's he's kicking on. He's in he's in that area, mate. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, yeah, he's thirty-one. I thought twenty-one, thirty. 31 would be about right, but yeah, 31 like, years old. He, I thought he was fantastic last season, but again, different manager. He's He doesn't have, obviously, the pace like he used to. Um, it's not Dean Smith's man, like I said before. So, And honestly, I think there's just better options in the formation and the system we're playing now. I just I don't think it suits him as a week-in, week-out player. And honestly, it's a super lucky goal. Randolph absolutely spilled it. But you know what? It does probably well for his confidence. It's good for an impact sub when we're going to need it probably in the last few games of the season when we're resting players, if we're still in the playoffs. And honestly, it's good to hear from Keenan Davis because I completely forgot he even existed because it feels like forever since I've actually heard his name uh, be announced on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Davis is a good one because he seems to kind of be the the person Villa might end up relying on if they do stay in the championship next season. Um, I don't know the situation with Scott Hogan, who comes back. And of course, Ross McCormack seems done and dusted. Um, but it seems like Villa may move on. Jonathan Codger, he hasn't had a sniff all season. And Tammy Abraham is going to be incredibly hard to sign if we're still in this league next season. So maybe it does fall onto the shoulders of Keenan Davis. And how interesting would that be? <sighs> Pretty interesting in the sense that I don't think he's a striker for absolute goal threat. I think he's more of a just a workhorse. He's going to work to get you in the box. And yeah, he's going to nick in with the odd goal. But I almost think he plays better with another striker kind of working off of him that maybe has a bit more pace, that's more lethal in front of net. I just think he's a great option and a, honestly a great utility man in that sense. So switching over to the other team we played yesterday, I mean, I can't believe there was another team even in the stadium, mate. <laughs> um, Mid- Middlesbrough offered zero threat at all. And I want to ask you, was there any point where you felt at all threatened by... I mean, they brought on Britta Sambalonga, who's no, you know, he, nothing to you know laugh about. He's a really good striker at this level. Um, but they offered nothing. Uh, were you at all threatened or feel, feeling nervous about Middlesbrough at any point in the I game? I think maybe for any game, I'm always nervous within the fif- first 15, 20 minutes because... Within, within any game, unless it's just an absolute barn burner within like the first minute, um, you're just feeling each other out and just seeing what's going on. But uh, 
No, I wasn't really too concerned. Like, I wrote down some stats here. Uh, we had five shots on target. They had one. And I think you mentioned it maybe it was a friend that had that shot. Uh, we had 18. and Yeah, exactly. And we had 18 shots compared to their four, like, in general. So carrying our 61% possession to their 39. Like, we're just literally dominating any facet of that game except for fouls. They had 16 and we had nine. <laughs> Like, what can you really do? They just, they didn't, I don't understand Pulis's uh, comments after the game because, okay, there's some air. The last one, I'll like the last goal, I'll give him that. That definitely should not have went in. That is a goalkeeping error. But to say that he thought they were pretty decent and they could have avoided those things, I thought was kind of arrogant. And for someone who's losing their grip on the playoff spot, you think you might want to be a little bit more modest, especially with the run-in they have. Yep, so Pulis actually said Villa have scored three non-league style goals. We look the better side after the first half substitution and I don't think that's true, unfortunately. I think Middlesbrough fans have every right to be disappointed and in fact embarrassed by their team's performance yesterday. I mean, if that was Aston Villa, there would certainly be questions there if we turned up and uh, played like that against the team because they didn't want to win at all. They were time-wasting after the second minute on the throw-ins. It was a poor all-round and uh, again, I'm pretty, I'd be pretty embarrassed and shocked if I was a Borough fan hear, um, hearing that off my team. But that ends, you know, that game ends with Villa in the playoff places. I understand that Derby and Bristol City still have a game or a few to play. Um, but Villa are in the position and they've got the points, mate. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think they each have a game on us in hand. But you know what? They both still have schedules that are going to be challenging. Every game's challenging. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, who knows? We could lose to Blackburn. We don't know. But um, no, there's always a chance for us to, I think we can get up to fifth. I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, for you personally, would you rather finish in the sixth spot and play the third spot? Or would you want to play the fourth team if we're fifth? One way of thinking is you're going to play West Brom yep. in a local derby over two legs, which could be tough and you know it goes either way. The other line of thinking is you play the third place team. And if that's Sheffield United, that's a massive threat. And even if it's Leeds United... Again, it's a massive threat. And if it's Norwich, it's a massive threat. But what I think psychologically is that Leeds and Norwich, somehow if they end up third, I think Leeds are in it occupying that spot now. But if either one of them ends third after the way they've been playing all season and the expectation, is that going to be a major blow to have to compete in the playoffs? Is that game over almost? I think... I'm interested. Sorry for interrupting you, but I, I think it's a lot more worse for Norwich than it is Leeds. I think with... Um, Leads his manager. I can't even remember his name now. Is it Bielsa? Bielsa. Yeah, Bielsa. Okay, I can't pronounce it half the time. Um, But um, I think with his history and everything he brings, I think he's a lot more comfortable than uh, Daniel Farco would ever be. Um, Probably butcher that too, but whatever. Have at me. But um, yeah, I just, I, I can't see Norwich going in the playoffs and being comfortable. They offer something that's truly beautiful to watch attacking wise. But we all know what happens in the playoffs. Those games aren't for the those lovers of the attacking game. They're defensive. They're physical. They're hard. They're grinding. We saw that last year against Middlesbrough. And we saw that in the final against Fulham. It was literally 1-0. That was it. So I think if we're going to benefit, it'd be against Norwich. If we're going to be in for it, really, it'd be against Leeds. But either way, as long as we make the playoffs, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think it'd be a tough ask for Norwich to drop out now, but again, 
I really think that the pressure's on up there and anything can happen. So we'll see. But either way, it's a tough ask for Villa because you play either you, you end up you're gonna play one of the best teams in the championship, which is a, a tough gig. It just depends which one's which one's up for the, the battle. Um I don't know if it, it's gonna be a tough ask for Leeds or, or Norwich if they drop to that third spot. I think Sheffield United have been really punching above their weight and they're they're, they're definitely on merit, but I think they're ready for a playoff scrap and an automatic promotion would be a bonus. So we've covered the Middlesbrough game. Um, we're in sixth place. I want to know from you, can Villa do it? Can Villa actually finish sixth? Can they Can they hold off all the competition? I think so. I, I don't see any reason not to keep the positivity. As long, I think the thing is, as long as the fans are behind them, we benefit. We've seen so many times throughout the last four or five years what a negative atmosphere does to the club. And it their players, their people, that kind of thing drives them down and makes them feel negative and probably doesn't get the best performance out of them. I think if everyone's behind them, I think if the confidence stays high, and you know what, we have to be realistic. We're going to draw or lose a game between here and the end of the season. So whatever happens, happens. But I think we're in the driving seat, even with Derby and Bristol City having a game in hand, because I think Bristol City are going to drop off. They don't have the biggest of squads. and Yes, they play some great football, but I just I can't see it. And Derby are actually going in a negative direction right now. It's kind of typical of them for the last three or so seasons. So I wouldn't be shocked if we even nicked fifth. But yeah, I'll take sixth. Absolutely. Um, Cole, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Um, we're coming to the end of the podcast. We've done the Middlesbrough game. We've done our playoff talk. Um, I wanted to know, is there anything that you wanted to bring up before we uh, we close it off? Any final comments? Yeah, if I was going to talk about anything um, quickly, I'm just going to give a little shout out to uh, Jetty Steer because he's been a silent hero lately. And even though we haven't conceded that much lately, I just think if you're, do- you're doing something right, if you're keeping someone we spend a decent amount of money in the championship on to come in as a starter and uh, Kalinich so you know what fair play to him he's been a silent hero he's doing his job and it's up how many years ago did we buy him now holy like it's it's unreal to actually see him we might as well have used them at some point so you know what if he keeps playing the way he is and it keeps going the way it is just stay on the net because it'll be a brilliant investment (laughs) yeah I think uh, it's a shame we opted to kind of spend so much readjusting this goalkeeper position when the right man may have been there all along we'll see but yeah Jed Steer gets a shout out I think um, we'll have an extra podcast out with Danny and myself usually but I think you'll definitely be hearing Cole a lot more on here but if you want to catch up with him in the meantime Cole where can people find you? Um, you can just go on Twitter uh, just at Talk Aston Villa if you want to go on YouTube and subscribe to that I haven't uploaded in two years but maybe I'll have something out within the next couple of weeks I was kind of thinking about but yeah just mainly Twitter yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on mate um, we'll definitely have you on soon um, me and Danny will have a podcast out um, maybe in the week or on the weekend to talk about the upcoming Blackburn game and maybe speak a little bit more about that Borough game but as always thank you very much for listening we always appreciate it and uh, up the villa we'll see you very soon goodbye